In this troubling and chaotic world, do you find yourself tense, edgy, agitated? Are you constantly trying to steady yourself and relax your mind? Well, my friend, it's not your mind where tension builds. It's far below in the ninth chakra, commonly referred to as the A-hole. There lies the true seat of awareness and awakening. And now the folks at Vishnu Visions Technology have developed an A-hole massager based on the ancient Sanskrit technique of Chuwani or Little Rumble. Battery operated but safe and probiotic, the A-hole massager will relax you as you go through your hectic day. Its stimulating vibrations keep you calm, grounded, and alert, ready for anything but more than content to just sit around and enjoy the moment. Go to aholemassager.com and get 25% off your first purchase using the code words Fearful Symmetry. Soon you too will be enjoying the cosmic vibrations of the A-hole massager. I use mine every day and ah, trust me, enlightenment has never felt this good. symmetry. Maybe it's something about America and blonde little boys. Maybe it's a righteous pleasure of bombing strangers 7,000 miles away. Or maybe... It's just our undying love for flags, football, and Jesus. But no war with Iraq was going to cancel or postpone the Super Bowl. No fucking way. The Super Bowl is and will always be the perfect stage to celebrate our latest, greatest war. That is why, on January 29, 1991, 11 days after the start of Desert Storm, the electronic patriotic spectacle of Super Bowl XXV took its rightful place in human history. 750 million people watched around the world as pop star Whitney Houston, majestically clad in a red, white, and blue tracksuit, stood in Tampa Stadium and built it out a star-spangled banner rendition so moving, so beloved, that it was soon released as a single and soared to the top of the charts. When she reached the climactic finish of the home of the brave, and rapturous fans roared their approval. Four supersonic F-16 fighter jets streaked overhead. A furious but loving emanation of America's godly military might. But you can't truly celebrate war unless you have children. 
a stadium full of innocent children, an extravaganza sponsored by Disney, featuring 3,500 cute little boys and girls in the uniforms of football players, cheerleaders and referees, marching, singing, dancing, dedicated to all the servicemen and women protecting us in the Persian Gulf. That was a halftime show, and it was glorious. It featured the boy band sensation New Kids on the Block and an endless array of beloved Disney characters. But the big moment belonged to a six-year-old blonde-haired boy by the name of Seth Horton. Surrounded by a sea of children waving American flags, Seth Horton stood before the magical Disney castle and sang to our soldiers everywhere that they were his heroes. to see these heroes in a video montage of American troops overseas, and we got to see President George Herbert Walker Bush and First Lady Barbara and hear their brave and kindly words. And a mighty chorus started singing, America, 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 as throngs of cheerleaders formed a giant USA. White doves were released into the air, fireworks exploded, and Mickey Mouse personally thanked our armed forces everywhere. Yes, all was right with the world that day. We would go on to have a hundred thousand bombing missions over Iraq and Kuwait and a magnificent ground war, all in all killing tens of thousands of Iraqi troops and leading to the demise of some 100,000 civilians. But the point is, hardly any American soldiers were killed. We won that war. We won we won. How it must have been for an American child at the time, watching the Super Bowl and seeing all these great things coming together, football and fireworks, flags and family and Disney floats, songs and costumes, jets, soldiers, princesses and pop stars, Mickey and Goofy and Donald Duck and the President of the United States all coming together for freedom, for America, for the future. How good, how good war must be. And how good it feels. service. Seth Horton in Grand Rapids, Michigan is the curriculum coordinator at Pregnancy Resource Center and the resident theologian at Jimmy John's. Seth Horton is a line cook at Moe's Southwest Grill in Tucker, Georgia. 
Seth Horton is a resource efficiency manager. He's based in the greater Orlando area with specialties that include renewables, HVAC, and resilience. Seth Horton is the kitchen staff supervisor for the Monadnock Bible Conference in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. It's a high-pace, high-stress work environment, but he manages his staff of eight and ensures efficiency. Seth Horton is part of the Healing Hands uh, therapeutic massage team in Belfast, Maine. He suggests that you should be kind whenever possible. Seth will guide your muscles to be more in sync with your life. On September 17th, Seth Horton became a ward of the Kentucky Department of Corrections. He's 5'7", 190 pounds, white, blue eyes, brown hair, and is currently serving a one-year sentence for sexual abuse in the first degree. Seth Horton lives in Powell, Wyoming, population 6,310. Seth will tell you that he's just a small-town guy living the small-town dream. Seth is a high school wrestler. He's a state champion in his weight class. He wrestles at 152 pounds. He'll be a senior this fall. On February 17th, he offered, If you think sex is great, try cleaning your room and finding old shit that unlocks the deepest depths of your memories. March 13th, his 2006 silver Toyota Camry was stolen. On June 28th, he asked, Does anyone else want a woman who would go fishing with you on a Sunday evening? His dad is letting him raise two steers. He named the steers Chip and Nut. It's an opportunity he won't soon forget. Of course, not all of these Seth Horton sang during Tampa Bay, Florida's Super Bowl 25 halftime show in 1991. Some of these Seth Hortons weren't even born in 1991. The Seth Horton we seek was born in 6 years old when he sang in front of a stadium crowd of 74,000. 6 years old when he sang while 45-foot-tall balloons inflated. 45-foot-tall balloons shaped like Chip and Dale, Pluto, Daisy Duck, Donald Duck wearing a sombrero and holding maracas, Mickey Mouse dressed as the sorcerer's apprentice, and Pinocchio holding what appears to be an enormous sex toy six years old when some sources tell us 2,000 children wearing yellow ribbons marched across the football field. 2,000 children dressed as Cub Scouts, Girl Scouts, Pirates, Leprechauns, Martial Artists, Aviators, Roustabouts, Zulu Warriors, Firemen, Ken Ken Dancers, Court Jesters, Sufi Mystics, Baseball Players, Hillbillies, Flamenco Dancers, Touted as one of the young stars of the entertainment world, Seth Horton was probably not faced by the spectacle. You see, Seth was part of Kentucky Country, a musical family of brothers, sisters, cousins, moms, dads, and a grandpa, a group under contract with the Las Vegas Riviera Hotel. At this point in his six-year-old life, Seth might have thought something like the Super Bowl was a regular event, like he'd be singing at all the Super Bowls, forever. 
Was Super Bowl 25 the high point in Seth's life? How could it not be? Did anyone ever tell young Seth that the halftime show was preempted by live updates from the Iraq invasion? That the halftime show wasn't actually shown until after the New York Giants had beaten the Buffalo Bills by a score of 20 to 19? What has become of 1991's little Seth Horton, our darling boy, our bright hope? There will always be downers. There will always be people that bring you down. People that leave you low. People that crush your spirit and then shit all over that crushed up beautiful spirit. Because that's how they do. Because that's how they feel alive. By making you feel down. They're always telling you something for your own good like... How that burger you're eating comes from a cow that was tortured for it bled out. Or how your posture is bad and you could really lose 20 pounds. Or even how most Americans never did see the Super Bowl 25 halftime show. And Seth Horton's greatest triumph is a lie. One more pathetic pipe dream in an empty and pain-encrusted life. Yep, that's their way. Our pain is their pleasure. Our failures, their triumph. Our lamentations provide them with amusement for their soirees, their message boards, and their little indie podcasts. Pay these creatures no mind, Seth Horton. Do you hear me? Pay them no mind. Because you are eternally the blue-eyed, blonde-haired boy in the football jersey singing your heart out before the whole world. As long as there's Disney and America and the endless wars, your glory will always shine bright in our land of the free and the brave. I don't want it. You want it. I I don't want it. You want it. I don't want it. You want it. I want it. You want it. I really want it. You gotta have it. I gotta have it. You'll have to pay a little. I'll pay it. That a boy. I want to pay. Of course you do. How about you, listener? Do you want it? Yeah, you want it bad. Go get it. Bring a credit card and go get what you want. Just go over to www.iwantit, 2496 underscore 593 underscore capital P, capital X, capital M, pound sign, D37, OBMTIG, open bracket, 724, capital H, capital O, slash, 44, exclamation mark, 2X, underscore, 813, greater than sign, 55522, asterisk, 292, ampersand, 3MV2934, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, slash, capital D, capital R, 32261, plus sign, 
2FLK, close bracket, 2928-2366, exclamation mark, slash, capital D, capital R, capital K, capital Y, vertical pipe, 5121123, GX, 455, pound sign, 21291, dollar sign, 362, close bracket, GDQ, 44, asterisk, 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 DUF, 774, capital Y, 3531, dot com. And for an extra 10%, just write Fearful Symmetry in the special code. Yeah, you want it. Now go get it, cowboy. Who made the mousetrap? Hiram Maxim. That's who. Hiram Maxim made the mousetrap. He was a most inventive man. What's that they say? Build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. In the year of 1881, Hiram Maxim, an American inventor, traveled to Paris to attend the first international exposition of electricity. So many marvelous devices, so many grand designs. It was on this journey that a man told Hiram, if he wanted to make a pile of money, forget about electricity. Just invent a better way for men to cut each other's throats. Say, that's pretty good advice today. Hiram took the advice. He was a most inventive man. He went ahead and made the world's first automatic portable machine gun. He contrived an ingenious system in which the recoil force of each bullet ejected the spent cartridge and inserted the next bullet, and voila, his Maxim gun could fire 500 rounds a minute, as much as 100 rifles. The civilized men comprising the forces of imperial conquest were extremely pleased. Soon they employed Maxim's device in Africa with impressive results. Using the Maxim machine gun, a small group of British soldiers could mow down line after line of unruly natives who refused to obey sensible instruction. Now, thousands could be slaughtered in a safe and efficient manner. And you know who found all this deeply impressive? The Queen of England, that's who. She honored the American inventor and his splendid weapon. She made him a knight that pleased Hiram. But he wasn't satisfied. He kept improving his invention. There were problems regarding the weapon's weight, its recoil, the need to keep it cool. It was a complicated business. But Hiram was a most inventive man. He continuously improved his masterwork, and by the time of the Great War, variations of his Maxim machine gun could be found on all sides. If enemy troops still employed the gallant strategy of the bayonet charge, and they did, the Maxim machine gun would quickly cut them to pieces. Hiram's weapon made a historic contribution to the conflict, providing a new and improved way to slaughter millions of combatants. And when Hiram Maxim died, he was a very, very wealthy man. What's that they say? Build a deadlier weapon and the world will beat a path to your door. Hiram also invented a light bulb, a flying machine, an automatic sprinkling system, and dozens of other wondrous devices. But his most famous invention would be his apparatus for the mass extermination of human beings. Even the mousetrap, while quite wonderful, could not compete. Has your spit tasted a little funny lately? Like a little off? Yeah, me too. Lots of people have been talking about this. 
So what's going on? Is it mucus enzymes or an abscess or maybe even intestinal debris leakage? Well, could be, but I looked into it and scientists suspect that stress or unhappy thoughts might be disrupting the delicate pH levels of your uric acid, and that might be what's messing up your spit. Now, they say there's not much you can do about it except somehow turn your mind around, but how are you going to do that? Well, that's what Happy Thoughts People is all about. It's not a pill. It's not a lotion. Happy Thoughts People is a 78-page pamphlet with all kinds of happy thoughts in it. Thoughts that remind you how terrific life really is. Like on page 19, you'll find this. Rainbows are just magical kisses from the universe. <laughs> Neat, huh? And on page 47, you'll find, Boy, I sure like to see puppies wag their tails. Now, isn't that the truth? Well, I got my copy, and let me tell you, I really needed some of those happy thoughts. Plus, I was really bummed about the taste of my spit, and now it's a whole lot better. So just send $29.99 to Happy Thoughts People, P.O. Box 3744, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55105. And here's another happy thought. Write the words Fearful Symmetry on your check, and you'll get a $3 Fearful Symmetry discount. Pretty good deal, right? You know, every day can be pretty special if you know where to look. I got that from page 34. Happy thoughts, people. Happy thoughts. issuing your stream of liquid shit, I'll tell you something, moron. My listeners, yes, my listeners do whatever I tell them to do. You're goddamn right I control them. You have no idea. You, you are an imbecile. You don't know a single thing about this business. You are nobody. An insect, a parent. Well, then go. Go. I don't give a fuck. Oh, 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 now you're crying. Now you're crying. Oh, wow. Wow. You make me sick. He told her that was not going to be possible. He told her that was not going to work at all. He told her he was not in the business of doing things that way. He told her that he found all of this most disagreeable. He said, do you know who I am? He gave her a look. He gave her one of those looks. He gave her a look, all right. He gave her a look that told her she was nothing to him. He told her not to be stupid. 
He told her that if she thought she had something to say, she was wrong. He told her that if she had something to say, he would say it for her. And he had nothing to say for her. He told her that he was sick of all her noise. He told her that he was sick of her head of straw and that he could huff and puff and blow her back to the squalid place that she crawled up from. He told her to shut her mouth. He told her to shut the door. He told her to sit back down. He told her that they will listen to a violin concerto by Johannes Brahms. He told her that it was a demanding work for even the greatest violin virtuosos, and that if she listens carefully to the arpeggios in the first movement exposition, she will hear a technique almost pianistic. He told her that when it premiered in Leipzig on New Year's Day, 1879, the reaction was unfavorable, but it once brought tears to his mother's eyes. He told her that the long lyrical opening movement in the key of D, an obvious nod to Beethoven, evokes an idyllic pastoral setting, but the harmony will shift to the distant key of C major as the oboe brings the melody to a darker, more discordant terrain. He told her that insolent and harmonized octaves will later force the music back to D major, but that he will stop here, as he doesn't wish to reveal any more before she hears the great and mighty work. He told her that there will be no bathroom breaks during the concerto. He told her that he will fully explain the work afterwards, and when he is finished, they will enjoy vanilla wafers and a gin fizz. He told her that it will be a wonderful evening, and she mustn't spoil it again with her tired and her tedious antics. This episode of Fearful Symmetry was written, produced, and performed by Bob Paris, with Deke Weaver writing and performing on Seth Horton's Super Bowl. Music in this episode came from Nathan Altice, Siddhartha Corsis, PC3, Ashura, Damiano Baldoni, John Bartman, Zaire, and Holizna. For more information, please go to fearfulsymmetry.org. <laughs>